0: Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. We are, as always, sponsored by BetUS. I am Josh Katzker, and with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Well, Brain... Uh, I, I kind of want to start the show tonight a little differently than how we usually do it. You know, normally we'll we'll jump right into a discussion of the most recent game and who played well and how it went and then the good and the bad and the ugly and all of that. But tonight, tonight, I want to start by talking about my love of the Miami Dolphins. Is that, is that all right with you, Bryn?
1: Of course, go ahead.
0: Okay. Pour your heart out. Okay, here I go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go solo layout for this. Okay, hi everybody. You get to see my 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 mug in the big screen if you're watching live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube. Which if you're not, now is a really great time to go subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube. Turn on notifications so you never miss a show when we go live. Like this video as well, everybody. Very important. So. Like I said, I, I want to start tonight by talking about my love of the Miami Dolphins. You see, I love this team. I have loved them for as long as I can remember. I was a super emotional kid, which I, I know is probably really hard to believe if you've listened to the show for any period of time. I've got vivid memories uh, of being younger and celebrating big wins with friends and family. And I have equally vivid memories of throwing temper tantrums and destroying things in my bedroom following especially heartbreaking losses. But my love of the Dolphins doesn't just stop when I was a kid. I mean, I was always kind of emotional. In 2008, the Dolphins clinched the AFC East while I was snowed in following a super rare Pacific Northwest blizzard while I was staying with my wife's family in their home outside of Seattle. And the Dolphins, they clinched the AFC East. And in my shorts, and my Ricky Williams jersey, I ran out into the snow. And we're talking about probably two to three feet of snow. I ran out and celebrated barefoot in the snow. And then a, a few years ago, my brother and I, we changed the format of our podcast, which had previously been about sort of generally about sports and also pro wrestling. We changed it to make it one that was completely devoted to the team that we love. And we now spend countless hours every week reading about the team, analyzing the team, consuming media about the team, writing about the team on on occasion, engaging on social media about the team, working on a website about the team, and talking about the team on our podcast. Not to mention watching every single game from start to finish. I love the Miami Dolphins. And it is that love of the Miami Dolphins, which is what makes conversations like the one we're going to have tonight, so frustrating and so, so, so disappointing. You see, we've talked on this podcast many times about how the NFL is the king of leagues where people overreact to small sample sizes. And, and you've all probably done it before, probably after one of the, maybe after the first game of the season at some point. I know that I have. But NFL teams are not judged by what happens in one game. They're not judged by what happens in two, three, four, or even seven games. They're judged by the totality of what happens over the course of an entire 16, or as is the case now, 17-game season. And when you look at the Miami Dolphins right now, the Miami Dolphins, who lost 34-3, On Sunday to the Tennessee Titans, a team quarterbacked by their own former starter. Right now, when you look at that team. You see a team that still has one game left to play. But that team has played 16 games thus far. And while that final game does remain unplayed, much of the big picture is going to remain the same whether this team wins the 17th game on Sunday or loses it. A lot of that big picture it's going to stay the same. So when you look at the Miami Dolphins right now, you see a team that is 8 and 8, a team that has been eliminated from the playoffs again. A team that in the last 20 years has finished between 9 and 7 and 7 and 9 nine times, including this year. You see a team that has won their division once, and a team that, quite frankly, has more questions and answers when it comes to what the future looks like. This team remains, unfortunately, the same old Dolphins, and it breaks my heart to say it. truth is what the truth is so brain let's uh let's talk about this game dolphins lose 34 to 3 what are your instant reactions to what you saw on sunday and i don't want to remind everybody we're going to try our best to keep this conversation as much as we possibly can to this game but I think the nature of the conversation that we're going to have is going to mean that it's going to get a little bit outside of just this game. We're going to probably end up dipping our toes into the water a little bit of the off season to come. It's just, it's just kind of natural. When you look at this point, the Dolphins have one game to play, and they've been eliminated from the playoffs. So that's where the conversation, the focus, typically begins to head towards that offseason. And so... While we're going to do our best to keep it focused and we're not going to do a deep dive into what needs to happen in the offseason, that is probably going to enter into the conversation at some point tonight. But, uh, Brain, what are, what, was, what, is, what are your initial takeaways from this game on Sunday? It was a complete team failure.
1: They got outclassed by a legitimate playoff team. A legitimate playoff team that was without their best player because their best player is Derrick Henry um, and they are not the same team without them. But somehow Deontay Foreman did his best Derrick Henry impression uh, against the Dolphins run defense, which we thought had been short up and sure. You're going to get some people that say, well, the defense did their job, but the offense couldn't do anything. So they eventually they're just going to break because, uh, you know, the time of possession or whatever, but, um, that, that might, might have been the case at the end of the first, first half. That might have been the case at the very end of the game, uh, when, you know, things had kind of been settled and the game was pretty much in hand. But first drive of the second half where they're allowing Deontay Foreman to, to run all the way down the field after the defense just got plenty of rest. No excuse for that. Defense isn't getting a pass for me in this game. But the truth of the matter is, look, we can, we can be upset about the defense and, and say, look, this, this Dolphins are, this Dolphins team as a whole. Uh, what ultimately drove the winning streak was the play of the defense. What ultimately led to the losing streak that set them behind the eight ball at one and seven was the play of the defense. The truth of the matter is the offense was horrific in this game. And as bad as everybody to a man basically was on the offensive side of the football, nobody was worse on this entire Dolphins roster on Sunday than the starting quarterback Tua tonga And that is the sad truth. And that's the facts, is that in the biggest game of the year, on the biggest stage, with the most... Questions to be answered to have failed at every single level in this game. Now he, he did make, he did make probably his best pass of the season. <laughs> amazingly, he threw a deep ball to, to Jalen Waddle that was on the money, but it's hard to really get excited about that when you're also seeing him roll out to his strong side, to his left side. And skip a 10 yard pass on multiple occasions to wide open receivers to wide open receivers on third downs where they're open at the marker. I mean, these are those are games that you lose. It's hard to uh, overlook the fumbles. And granted, we know it was a bad weather game and it's a wet ball and, and all of that, but you knew it was going to be a wet ball all week. And you didn't prepare for it. And if you needed to, to wear a glove, you had all week to figure that out. And they didn't. Um, and I don't know how much of that goes on coaching, but certainly the majority of it at the end of the day goes on Tua. Because it's his decision.
0: And, Absolutely.
1: And, and his inability to make the throws... In those, in that bad weather, and it wasn't like the worst weather that we've ever seen. I mean, let's not get overly dramatic here and and act like he was playing in a in a blizzard or like he was playing in like thirty to forty mile per hour wind gusts, like you know the Bills and the Patriots played in a few weeks ago, where the Patriots decided, hey, this wind is so bad, we're not even going to attempt to throw the ball. This wasn't like that. This was. A rainy game, a cold, rainy game, not a freezing game, not certainly not ideal conditions to play in, but a franchise quarterback should be able to play in those conditions. And he was horrible. And, and, and the offense in general was horrible. It's not like he was given much help by, by his receivers who dropped balls. Uh, honestly, I don't even think the offensive line played a bad game. In this one. You get a lot of people that are gonna sit here and say and and every time Tua has a bad game, they're gonna justify it by saying, Well, the offensive line is terrible. Well, the truth of the matter is the offensive line wasn't bad in this game. If if Tua makes the throws that he needs to make, the offense moves the football, I'm not saying that the offense is gonna put up thirty points or anything, and they might not even win the game, but they don't lose thirty-four to three. And you're looking at a close game, but this reason why this game wasn't close was because your quarterback did not perform. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say sit here and like you talked about how football is a game where you have to look at the totality and you can't overreact to one game. Two is not the first quarterback to struggle in a big game on the road in bad weather and you know plenty of quarterbacks even great quarterbacks have struggled the thing is is that when you look at the totality of what Tua has done this season and last season you have to be honest with yourself and the the fact is is that there are questions there about w- whether or not he is legitimately able to be a franchise quarterback for this team. So where I'm at with Tua, and I didn't formulate this opinion just based on this one game, because the fact is he hasn't been good now for three games. You know, he had a nice stretch there for a few games where he played really well for his standards, which overall I thought was good, but it wasn't like he was playing at an elite level. But over the last three games, he's been below average. And when you look at the totality of it and you factor in those games where he was above average, the fact is he's been pretty average. He's been okay. He's been very, dare I say, Ryan Tannehill-esque. And that's not to say that the Dolphins cannot win with Tua. My belief at this point, and I I think it's important to note that all season long, if you haven't watched us or listened to us all season, since before the season started, I said even more important than the Dolphins making the playoffs this season, the most important question that needed to be answered was, is Tua tunga your unquestioned franchise quarterback coming out of the season? And without a doubt, you can say right now that he hasn't answered that in the affirmative. Now he hasn't answered it in a way where you would say you can't win with this guy, but he's answered it in a way where you cannot look at it objectively Unless you, I mean, you, you can't look at this through aqua and orange lenses and, and hope that Tua, you know, you could sit here and you could, you could hope and wish and pray that on that five to 10% chance that he does turn out to be Drew Brees. But nothing that you've seen right now objectively would show you that he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback like Drew Brees. So let's, let's look at it objectively. He's been okay. It's a bad quarterback class. So I'm not preaching that we need to, you know, draft a quarterback or trade up to get into the top five or anything crazy like that. But if there are court veteran quarterbacks available on the market, whether through trade or free agency, who are upgrades, particularly significant upgrades over to a tongue of Iloa, the Dolphins would be absolutely insane. To not explore those options because this team is built and this team cap wise has been structured in a way to where next season they are going to go all in. They are going to spend a lot of money, whether half of that money is on a quarterback or whether it is entirely on ancillary parts. They are going to spend a bunch of money. They are going to be desperate to not just make the playoffs, but to make a significantly deep run and be a championship contending team. And it is impossible unless you are blind with optimism and fandom to believe that they are going to make a deep run and win a championship next season with Tua tunga as the quarterback. I'm not saying that it's out of the question
0: but you'd be crazy to believe that that is the most likely scenario. Well, and I think this is the other thing that you have to consider here, right? The other aspect of this, but putting anybody's personal feelings to the side, Whether you are somebody who deeply believes that Tua is just being completely underrated by everybody, or you're somebody who has said all along that this was a bad draft pick and the Dolphins missed from the start. And I know that there are a handful of people out there that, you know, there are a handful of people, whether you believe it or not, that actually did, were vouching for the Dolphins to pick Justin Herbert over Tua. They were a very small minority, but they were people, right? Probably not as many who have come out of the woodwork in recently, but Regardless, there are people who have said that, but regardless of what your personal feelings are, you have to think of this fact, because what I'm about to say is fact. Brian Flores and Chris Greer are about to enter into their fourth offseason and fourth season of their regime. They're about to move into that position. They have not made the playoffs once. And. They have watched as other teams have brought in new quarterbacks and watched those teams build their rosters into competitive teams. Look at what the Buffalo Bills have done. Using a quarterback the Dolphins passed on. Look at what... I mean, granted, the Baltimore Ravens have always been competitive, but they, again... In a year where where people were really looking for the Dolphins to pick a quarterback, the Dolphins passed on Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And Lamar Jackson has come into the league and become a superstar. The Cincinnati Bengals, using the number one overall pick, the pick that everybody was thinking was going to be the Dolphins pick. And granted, the Dolphins may have still ended up taking Tua, but the number one overall pick the year the Dolphins uh, drafted Tua, the Cincinnati Bengals drafted Joe Burrow, and the Cincinnati Bengals just knocked off what was the number one seed in the AFC East to clinch the AFC or the AFC West and the AFC conference. They knocked off the then number one seed to clinch their division. Brian Flores and Chris Greer going into this fourth year of their regime, have to get results. They need to get results. The team needs to, at the very, very least, make the playoffs next season. And as you can see, in the AFC, that is not an easy task. You can't just be, you know, I mean, there there's some luck to it, but you can't just, you know, stumble into the playoffs in the AFC the way you might be able to in the NFC. In the AFC, you've got to go out there and you've got to beat some solid teams and you've got to earn that playoff spot. And that's something that they have to do next year. So with their jobs on the line, and I and I am saying this as somebody who believes that, the, whether I agree with it or not, I believe that Chris Greer and Brian Flores are going to be back for next season. I think at one point in time, it was possible that they might not be, but then they went on that seven-game winning streak to make this a fairly, you know, another same old Dolphins kind of season, and I don't know that Stephen Ross is in a place where he's going to watch that and, and watch a team win seven games in a row and say, okay, I'm firing the coach and the general manager. I just don't believe that's going to happen. I think they're coming back. So I know that they are coming back and they are going entering into this fourth season with a need to take this team further and to make progress because they made progress from from year one to year two, but from year two to year three, they have taken a step backwards. And so now the question is, can they, between year three and year four, make a significant step forward, show significant progress? And that's what they're depending on. That is what their jobs depend on. And based on what I have heard in the media and seen on the field with my own two eyes, I do not for a second believe that these two men are gonna go into the offseason and rest on their laurels and say, yes, two is our quarterback, and we are going to make no attempt to upgrade that position. There's no way that's gonna happen. So I mean, is there a world where it happens? Yeah, of course there is. But I think they're going to make every attempt they can to bring in somebody to be an upgrade at the quarterback position. And whether you personally feel like that is possible, I think you have to understand that based on the performance that Tua has put in for the last three weeks, the three weeks where it was all on the line for this team, and to put in those performances, I think... I just think there's no way that he's I, – I mean, I'm not going to say there's no way that he comes back and is the starting quarterback next year because there's every chance that the Dolphins go out there and try to find a new starting quarterback, and they just are unable to make a deal because that's another thing that I think is very possible. There are three what I would call elite quarterbacks out there who I think the Dolphins would seriously consider bringing in – to replace two, And I think it's Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. Now, whether Aaron Rodgers actually leaves Green Bay remains to be seen. I think it's possible that he does. I also think it's possible he stays. I think Russell Wilson is almost certainly leaving Seattle. Um, and Deshaun Watson is, you know, unless you know unless he just the his the legal situation that he is in continues to boil over and he's found guilty or something happens, you know, that it doesn't get cleared up. I think it, it, by all reports it seems like that is moving towards a place where it's going to get cleared up and that he's going to be able to play in the league next year. No guarantee, but that's where it feels like those are the three guys who are out there that I think the Dolphins will absolutely be making a play for. There are a lot of other teams that may end up being more attractive landing places for those quarterbacks than Miami, but so there is a definitely a world where none of those guys come in, but I think the Dolphins are going to make a pursuit, and I think if you're somebody who doesn't believe that the Dolphins are going to do that, I don't know what to tell you because I think it's going to happen. I don't believe this organization has faith in Tua whether you want them to or not at this point. But here's a question for your brain and then we'll get back to talking about this game. Cuz there are some other quarterbacks out there that may be available as well. I'm going to I'm going to name four quarterbacks and you tell me whether you would pr- you would bring them in over Tua. Ready? Let's do it. Kirk Cousins. I'd bring him in.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd bring him a uh, uh, Kirk Cousins. I would bring in. Wait, right, let me. i have got to give you some more names. Okay. I would bring. Well, I would. I just want to say this. Like Kirk Cousins, I would bring in, uh, to compete, uh, with Tua. I'm not necessarily sold that I would. You wouldn't. Know, you wouldn't, hand you wouldn't the bring key. him
0: in to definitely be the starter.
1: I would bring in Kirk Cousins and have Kirk Cousins and Tua be like an an open competition, and you know you've got a starter backup
0: situation. Jimmy Garoppolo Same Derek Carr
1: Derek Carr I think is better than Tua
0: Baker Mayfield No You wouldn't even bring him in No Interesting I
1: don't think he would handle being the backup well um, and I don't, I'm not sold that I, if he's an upgrade over to it, it's a very, very small upgrade. I, I, I don't see the re I don't see any reason to do that and take on any kind of cap space for, and honestly, I I could say the same for guys like Garoppolo and cousins, like, and, and, and car, like, well with car, I think you, you, I bring in car and I'd say this guy's the starter. Um, With Cousins, with Garoppolo, you're paying a lot of money for guys to bring in as 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 like an open competition to potentially be your backup. So honestly, in thinking about it, I'm probably no to Cousins. I'm probably no to Garoppolo. I'm definitely no to Garoppolo. Uh, I'd be a yes to Carr. I'd be a hard no to Baker.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. That's going to be a conversation that I think we're going to be having quite a bit of in the weeks and months to come because I I just, I feel in my heart that really what what started this conversation was the fact that the big question coming into the season was can Tua absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt prove that he is your franchise starting quarterback this year? And we, we knew that that was the question. And we also knew that the only question that was going to, and the only way that question could be answered was for it to be answered in the affirmative. And that if the, answer, if the question wasn't answered or was inconclusive, which is kind of where I land, and I think you've kind of landed there too, it's inconclusive as to whether this guy can be a great franchise quarterback. I think the fact of the matter is that this team cannot afford to move into a third season with him as the starting quarterback at this point in time with all that is on st- at stake for this head coach and this general manager. So um, anything else that you want to add on the quarterback conversation before we turn our, our attention to other aspects of this game? No, just to kind of echo what, you know, what we were sent, sa- what I'm essentially
1: saying is, is that I don't look, I, I don't like Deshaun Watson. I I love him as a player. I I find it hard. I'd find it hard to, to root for the guy. Um. So really from just an ethical standpoint, from a from a preference standpoint, I'd really prefer to not have to root for a guy with a bunch of. You know, credible accusations sure. of 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 sexual misconduct oh, against obviously. women. You know, a sexual predator. I would really prefer to not have that guy be the face of my franchise. Yeah, um, I
0: I, I would agree with that.
1: But Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, I would do whatever it takes to get them. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I wouldn't like. F- you want four first round picks? Here, have them. Because at the end of the day, the Dolphins could throw away four first round picks, but they've got the team that they have right now. They could spend what 30, 40 million on of their cap space on that quarterback. And they yep. still have another 40 million or so that they can play with to bring in a veteran tackle a veteran wide receiver, an interior offensive lineman, and then you still have plenty of draft capital even without the first round picks that you're giving up in in trading. And and hell, for Aaron Rodgers, you might not even have to give up the draft picks. Right. Which right. means you,
0: like give him 50 million dollars. If, oh. if that's what it takes. This is going to be this is going to be the new Peyton Manning billboard in in South Beach, you know that's that's what that situation is because it's gonna be all these people courting Aaron Rodgers trying to get him to to choose their team you're gonna have and is is it gonna happen again where everybody is is doing everything they can bending over backwards to try to to try to seduce Aaron Rodgers and then he just goes to the Broncos it's very possible maybe maybe
1: and and look you can say what you want about like Oh, be too, you're being too politically correct and like, you don't have to, you know, take them to church or whatever, the whole Deshaun Watson thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, if I've spent my entire life rooting for the Dolphins to win a Super Bowl, I would much rather root for a team that I like <laughs> and, and I don't want to see it compromised. By like if if what it takes to win the Super Bowl is is having a quarterback that is sexually assaulting people, <laughs> I, like I there's got to be another way. <laughs> let's, yes. let's just put it that way. There's got to be another way. At the end, like it, that, that's just the the way it is. And you you can disagree with me. That's fine. Like. I've spent the entire season with with listeners and fans of our show disagreeing with me because I've been too negatives. So, like, and and here we are as the same old Dolphins, right where I said we would be, basically, you know, eight weeks ago.
2: So, you- like,
1: I don't I don't mind you disagreeing with me or, or or hating me for my opinions. At the end of the day. I really don't want Deshaun Watson to be here because I just don't I don't like him.
0: Well, let me, let me ask you. I don't want to root for him. Let me ask you this, Brent, because there's somebody with w- that made a point in the in the comments, and I was gonna move off the quarterback thing, but it's it's right here. Um, we've got this guy here who says, uh, this is John Featherland in the comments from YouTube. And this is again why you should be watching the live stream because you can join in the comments and influence the show. John Featherland says Rogers is a short term fix. Now, yeah. Now yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> He'll okay, fix yeah. it. That's the whole point. He'll right. fix it. Right. So here's the thing. So do you and, and again with Rogers, you might not even be parting with draft capital. But if Roger, if Aaron Rodgers is here, he's gonna come here and he's gonna be here for three years. But in that three years, you're guaranteed to win a Super Bowl, but Following that three years, the Dolphins are going to spend another two decades as a mediocre team that is fluctuating between seven and nine and nine and seven with the occasional 11 and five, 10 and six first round exit from the playoffs. Do you make it happen? Do you bring him in? Do you take that three years, including a Super Bowl? If How it means, many years uh, was
1: Peyton Manning good for the Denver Broncos? Three years? And he got him to two Super Bowls and won yeah, one, even when, say, he, even he, was when he was bad.
0: For, yeah. I, I mean, the year. This, yeah. The last yeah. Time they I'm to the taking Bowl, Aaron
1: Rodgers, even if it's for three years over, over whatever other quarterback that we're going to have for three, over two of for three years. Yeah. So you would rather, this is what you, this is what you're asking yourself there. Would you rather be Super Bowl relevant for three years? Or would you rather just be okay, maybe, for three years? Because at the end of the day, three years is an eternity in the NFL. Right. Like, three years is not, like, a short-term fix. Three years ago, people were still talking about how Ryan
0: Tannehill could be a franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Three years ago, the New England Patriots were winning the Super Bowl before Tom Brady left. To the team to go somewhere else before they were terrible for a year, before they brought in a new first-year quarterback and possibly won the AFC East again. Probably not, but possibly. Won 11 games. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's a great comment from the Beef Train. He, said, he says, I don't want to bang Scarlett Johansson because she'll leave the next morning. That is a great comment. Great comment, and I think all that is all there is to say about the Aaron Rodgers situation, Brand yes. I, I don't want to vamp on this too much longer because we're going to be coming back to this conversation. So I want to move to some of the other aspects of this game on Sunday. But I, I, that was fantastic—a fantastic point by the Beef Train. Want to take a moment to remind everybody to check out our friends at Manscaped.com if you haven't done yet done so yet listen you guys got to set yourself up with some of those products i'm not going to do the fancy ad read today i'm not going to do the witty verbiage that they sent along i'm just going to tell you to go to manscaped they've got incredible products they're really great the liquid formulations are no joke and they've got lip balm now which is also really great the cologne i think is fantastic uh, listen it's just it's if you've been wondering you've been curious you're Manscaped curious. Uh, and you haven't yet pulled the trigger. You didn't get it for, for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever. Do yourself a favor, go to manscaped.com, use the promo code dolphins talk. You'll get 20% off your order and you'll get free shipping. Just try it. Just try it. And I think you're going to be pretty satisfied with the results. Manscaped.com promo code is dolphins talk. Take my word from it It, for it. it. It's, these are great, great products. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, your, your balls will thank you, as they say. Um, also, if you haven't done so yet, make sure that you download rate review and subscribe to the same old dolphins show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your your podcasts. Make sure you visit dolphinstalk.com each and every day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. The show is at same old dolphins, and uh, we appreciate it very much. Let's take a look at some of the other aspects of this game, Brent. I think one of the other things that was disappointing to me about how this game went was just, and again, it's kind of more of a big picture thing, but you look at it and it's, this is the second year in a row where the Dolphins had a huge game against a legitimate playoff team, a legitimate playoff you know, I'll say Super Bowl contender. I mean, last year they lost to the team that lost the AFC Championship game. And whether you want to believe it or not, the Tennessee Titans may in fact be a Super Bowl contender, especially if Derrick Henry comes back in the postseason. You're shaking your head, but I'm telling you, regardless... Just because they beat the Dolphins by 30
1: doesn't mean they're any good.
0: Well, I... I Listen, I, I think everybody... Everybody and their mother will tell you that the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry... Don't scare anybody, but the Tennessee Titans with home field advantage in the playoffs, potentially with Derrick Henry, that is a different beast. 100% is the
1: the caveat there. If Derrick Henry comes back, he's not going to be 100% from his injury And, and Tennessee. Look, you can say what you want about like Tannehill's had this rebirth when he's gone to Tennessee. The fact Tannehill's been garbage this year. Tua's been, like, honestly, numbers wise, and in a lot of ways, Tua has been better than Ryan Tannehill this year. Okay. The, the, The difference is, is that, you know, Tennessee, like, when, when Derrick Henry was there, Tannehill played well because Tannehill is a lot like Tua. He's a good quarterback when he has a great running game and a great defense, but if he needs to win you the games on his own, he's not very good. And that's really the definition of a franchise quarterback.
0: Well, then let's talk about that because this is, again, for the second straight year, the Dolphins had it all in their hands and all to play for, and they went onto the road in cold weather and basically made it easy for their opponent to to beat them, right? It wasn't quite so bad in Tennessee as it was in Buffalo last year, but again, it was the same thing. And it was a failure of this. I mean, they weren't even, and we're, we're talking about not even really competitive in the game. And a lot of it is because the offense has been so bad for the dolphins this year. And you know, any way you paint it, this has not been a powerhouse offense. And in the NFL in 2021, you need to have an offense that can put up points. That's how you win games is you got to score a lot of points. You're not, you don't see a whole lot of teams out there anymore that win games because they've got a lockdown defense. Very few and far between. But again, Brian Flores and his coaching staff failed to get their team ready to compete in a game like this. And and as many times as Brian Flores is going to say, we just weren't ready. We didn't execute well enough. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. We weren't prepared. It's all on me. Well, how many times are you going to say that in these big moments? You know, at some point it is up to you and you got to have this team ready and they haven't done it. And so now, This is just another example of this team failing to win a big game against a legitimate opponent. And listen, it's the NFL. Everybody's legitimate, right? And you've won these seven games in a row previous to this, but against a laundry list of backup and bad quarterbacks, right? With the one exception being that you figured, you happen to have a head coach that figured out how to beat Lamar Jackson and you, you brought you know, zero blitz all night and he struggled with it. And you basically created the blueprint to shut down the Ravens, which everybody else in the league followed after that. So I don't know. I, I, so I was concerned about that aspect of it. And uh, as you said, at at the top brain, it's the defense, our defense, which has been, you know, kind of the thing that brought this team back and was really essentially what carried this team through the seven-game winning streak was the strength of this defense turning it all around completely broke down and they made Deontay Foreman look like he was Derrick Henry on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, that's... the What I'll say about the defense is that the defense came out, had a good game plan and dominated the early stretch of the game. The offense could do absolutely nothing, They the special teams did not help. And Tennessee got into good field position, got a short field, hit a couple of big plays. What I'll say about this defense, where they got exposed, and I think is is a big issue that we'll look at in the offseason, is the linebacker play. That That's the bottom line, is that linebackers getting out of position and and leaving their gaps unfilled, allowed big runs. Alandon Roberts is not very good. Jerome Baker is kind of good at what he does, but is inconsistent. He is a better pass rusher than he is a run stopper. He is better in coverage than he is a run stopper. This Dolphins team desperately needs an upgrade at the linebacker position, in order to be a consistently good run defense against teams that know what they're doing running the football. The Titans know what they're doing running the football the same way that the Denver Broncos knew what they were doing running the football last season when they ran for almost 200 yards or whatever it was against, against the Dolphins late in the season on a, in a big game. That, that's a, a problem area for this defense that has not been solved and it gets Kind of overshadowed when you're playing quarterbacks like Ian Book and Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco and Mike Glennon. Uh, you know, you, you can get away with things because you could put extra guys in the box. Ryan Tannehill is not a great quarterback, but he's fine. He is a, he is an okay starting quarterback and a quarterback that you can win with those other guys. They are not. When you have at least a serviceable starting quarterback in there, then you have to at least respect the passing game, which means that your linebackers have to do a good job of maintaining their gap control and and stopping the run. And the Dolphins linebackers are not good at that. They weren't good at it last year. They weren't good at it early in the season, but somehow we got Lulled into this false sense of security that they somehow were good at it because the Dolphins shut down a bunch of teams that only had a running game because their quarterbacks were Cam Newton and Mike Glennon and Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco and Ian Book. It's a lot easier to play run defense when those are the quarterbacks.
0: No, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things that this team got exposed again. And so. That is something something to add to the list of things that needs to be looked at in this off season. Something that I was pleasantly surprised about in this game was how well Duke Johnson was running the ball. But the Dolphins, I, 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 this is one of the weird things that the Dolphins do because they certain they seem to only scheme certain guys, use certain running backs in certain. For certain plays, and so they mix it up. And so you don't have a bell cow back to be in there. So sometimes you got Duke Johnson in there on first down who's running it up the gut for 14 yards, and sometimes you're bringing in uh, Miles Gaskin who is falling down at the first time of asking. Um, occasionally you've got Philip Lindsay in there who was less effective in this game for whatever reason. But Duke Johnson because he's not seemed to good. have come to play. Duke Johnson was really, really good. The problem is the Dolphins got away from their running game, and w- and and this was another thing was Tua, and I don't know if he was being candid or if he was making excuses or or, or what, but he came in saying that the Dolphins' game plan in this game was to throw the ball downfield and to push the ball downfield, uh, something that they have not been able to do effectively all season was suddenly the game plan in this terrible weather. And so that's yet another thing that has me scratching my head of oh, how do did... I've got a conspiracy theory. But, and, but okay, I, I, and I'll take it. And I'm, I'm sure you're saying, you're going to tell me that they, they were sacrificing Tua to the gods on Sunday in order to have that bad performance, in order to miss the playoffs, in order to make sure that they could move on to him. But I'm sure that'll be your one hot take. But yeah, you just. Did I just it. thought it was. I just thought it was a mess. Uh, you know, they got away from what was. I mean, I, I, and I've been a strong proponent of don't run the ball, don't run the ball, don't run the ball. But the, running the ball with Duke Johnson was working on Sunday, and they got away from it, and then, and then they fell behind, and then they were trying to play catch up, so they stayed away from it. And ultimately, I think they only ran the ball sixteen times in the whole game. But uh, another part of the problem is your quarterback couldn't hold on to the ball in in bad weather, and that is again. significant issue
1: yeah uh, at the end of the day this was an entire team failure but again nobody failed more than Tua and the bottom line is in the biggest games in the biggest moments look you drafted your quarterback number five we all want Tua to be the franchise Like you could say we're overly negative or we're given to a, we're too hard on him, whatever. The fact of the matter is you want your quarterback to be a franchise guy. You want him to be elite. You want the quarterback that regardless of the weather in the biggest situation in with the season on the line, you want the ball in his hands and you have faith that he can make the play. And watching this game, That was the exact opposite. And it's not just us. And it's not just the Dolphins coaching staff. Even the most ardent Tua supporters have to be honest with themselves. Watching that game, you did not feel good with Tua dropping back on second and long, third and long, feeling like he was going to make the right play. And that tells you everything. That, that's your answer right there as to whether or not he's the guy. If you don't believe in him with the game and the season on the
0: line, then he's not the guy. It's, it's just that simple. It's all there is to it. It's all there is to it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was just kind of, it was kind of rough. And so then that leads to the other question that is out there because the other thing and I again I didn't think they had a bad game but I this is my question for the we'll call them the 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 people that want to defend Tua to the death right? the people that will go to the mat for Tua they will tell you that the reason the Tua is not great is because the dolphins have not supplied him with weapons and I can give you that I will give you that. I will I, I think you can you can definitely say that the Dolphins did not do a good enough job of surrounding Tua with talent. The one guy that I mean they drafted Jalen Waddle, and I think that we can say beyond the shadow of a doubt was a home run of a pick. Right? I think Jalen <laughs> Waddle was a home run of a pick. I, I don't think you can deny that, although I'm sure that there are people out there who will tell you that, hey, it's not Jamar Chase. Well, you shouldn't have traded down, but whatever. You got an you got extra draft capital. Uh, and while, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to pick a little lower next year than you would have, uh, and you would have had another pick on top of that in next year's draft, you still got extra draft capital and you still have Jalen Waddle who is going to break the record for receptions in a year by a rookie in all likelihood in week 18. Uh, but you know, uh, and my train of thought has gone completely off the rails here, but you know you're gonna have people say they didn't surround him with talent you know they but they brought in Jalen Waddle they brought in Will Fuller who was a signing that we were excited about because we were excited about the but what his speed might be able to offer but we all knew when he was brought in that there was a substantial risk with bringing him in because he has a history of being unable to stay healthy and he was out on the field for approximately 15 minutes combined this season I mean this I mean, with his injury and whatever's going on off the field, and and granted, I'm not going to judge that because I don't know what's going on off the field, and I don't know what's going on in his life, but that has been a disaster. One of the worst free agent signings of all time based on what we got for it. And then, you know, and then we still didn't really do anything to upgrade the running game because this front office was confident that the talent that we brought in at receiver was going to be enough to open the field up for... The running game. Well, if that's what they believed, they learned at some point that they didn't have that in their back pocket. That, that game plan of stretching the field and throwing deep balls, whatever, that that wasn't in the back pocket. And they never implemented it. And the running game never really got going this season. And you realize, towards the end of the season, when you brought in Duke Johnson and and Philip Lindsey, who were just sitting out there for, on waivers. I mean, Philip Lindsay was on waivers. Duke Johnson was just out there. He was just out there hanging out, free agent. You brought in these guys towards the end of the season and they were better than the guys you already had. So that was a problem. So you didn't upgrade the running back. And then you've got the offensive line. You have this offensive line, which this regime has been building now for three years. And the offensive line is arguably worse now than it was during the first year of this regime. And so the question is, this team has some holes to fill on offense and they've got some building to do on defense. And, and, and I'll be fair, I think they've done a pretty good job of of boosting their defense and bolstering their defense, the Noah Igbenogany pick aside. But are you, pre- as we go get prepared to go into this offseason, the fourth offseason for this regime, Do you feel confident that this general manager and this head coach and his team of assistant coaches are going to be capable of adequately fixing this offense? Oh, God, no.
1: (laughs) God, no. Um, The thing is, is at some point it becomes a numbers game. If you throw enough assets at it, you're bound to get something right. So I feel like with the offensive line, with the amount of draft picks that we've spent on it, th- just go out and spend money now, Dr- uh, sign the best tackle available, sign the best center available.
0: And you can go to sign Terrell Armstead who can't stay on the field because he's injury prone all the time. He's probably the best veteran offensive lineman that is going to be available this offseason. I don't know. I'm not I'm not
1: I'm not the GM, but what I'm going to say is I'm just saying there there are there are tackles out there, veteran tackles that are good. Miami has the money, the resources to spend. They absolutely have to fix the offensive line. If they bring in one good, proven tackle and one Good proven interior offensive linemen, particularly a center. They have enough pieces to where I believe that they can be at the very least a middle of the road offensive line. That's, and, and, and to me, you get a middle of the road offensive line, a franchise quarterback, and you bring in a, a veteran receiver. That's not Will Fuller. And then you can draft a running back. You, you you shouldn't go out and sign a running back. That that's not the way to do that. But you should draft. You know, you free up all that. You, you use your cap space on that. The defense is pretty well built. It's not that they can't use a few more pieces. Like I said, they could use a linebacker. You could probably use a, a you know, a little bit of more help on the, on the defensive line. Uh, but overall the defense is pretty well stocked. You don't need to overspend on that side of the football, but you absolutely need to fix this offense and you can't do it through the draft. Not, not in one year. Because no. even if you hit on the draft picks, it's going to take them. I mean, look at look at the players that we've hit on in this draft. We're we're very happy about Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland. It took them half the season to really come into their own. If we if we get if it takes half the season for the offensive line to gel, then we're going to be sitting at one and seven again, and the season's going to be over. The, this team needs to to spend money. Um. Do I have faith in Chris Greer? No, I don't. I didn't. Have, it's why I think he should have been fired a long time ago because I knew, I freaking knew that when this team was 1 and 7 and then won that game against Houston and then won the game against Baltimore and we're at 3 and 7, I knew at that point that this team was going to go on a fraudulent run against a bunch of bad teams and save a bunch of jobs that had no business being saved. And here we are. Yeah, Chris Greer is not a good talent evaluator. He's been bad at it for years. Brian Flores is a good defensive coach, but has no idea what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball, so much so that we've had four offensive coordinators in three years, and if things go the way that we pretty much everybody wants them to we're going to be looking at a fifth offensive coordinator next year we're also going to be looking at a fourth offensive line coach I mean he has no idea what's going on on that side of the ball which is an indictment on him as a head coach I think he's he's got potential I like the fact that he kept the team together and motivated and they were able to turn things around where other teams would have might have folded and he deserves some credit for that, but he also deserves some credit for the team being one in seven. He deserves some credit for the fact that he can't keep an offensive coordinator, that he can't keep an offensive line coach and the ones that he do that he does hire suck. He deserves credit for that as well. Yeah. All he- in all, it's, it's very mediocre, which is why we
0: are where we are at today. And it's why. We are still, as we said at the top, regrettably, still the same old Dolphins. None of us wanted to be here. None of us wanted this. We all wanted this team to do really, really well this year. But at the end of the day, it, it has not happened. And while there were certainly some good moments, as I said at the top, you're not judged by what you do over the course of a seven-game winning streak. You can't view that seven-game winning streak in a vacuum. That seven-game winning streak followed a seven-game losing streak. And, and good for the Dolphins. They're the first team that followed a seven-game winning uh, losing streak with a seven-game winning streak in the same season. Congratulations. You've done that. <laughs> is there any better distinction? It is- that, that is- <laughs> I mean, is there any more
1: a same-old Dolphins distinction of saying we're the only team that has had a 7 game winning streak and a seven, we're going to I'll go one better. We're going to be the first team ever. I wish that we would have done this in a 16 game season, but we would have been the first team ever to start 0 and 8 and finish 8 and 8 or start 8 and 0 and finish 8 and 8 because at one way or another, no matter how many games we lose in a row, the
0: Dolphins will find their way to mediocrity. And and the one thing that you can say, I guess, to try to end on a positive note and in and, and in favor of, you know, For Brian Flores, is that, you know, listen, at the end of the day, you took a a team that was one and seven, that was on death's door, and even with the soft schedule, and I please stop saying, oh, it's not a soft schedule, it's the NFL. Yes, I understand that. It's the NFL. Every team is hard to beat. No wins are given. You got to go out there and earn it. But my God, everybody and their mother, when you talk, when you go to one podcast to the other, they looked at the Dolphins' schedule and said, the, the Dolphins have a very tough first month and a half of the season. And then after that, it's pretty smooth sailing right and the dolphins showed it was pretty smooth sailing against the teams that it was you know should be pretty smooth sailing against but to be a good team in the NFL to be a team that lifts the lombardi trophy you've got to be able to beat good teams and the dolphins don't seem to have that in their locker as of now the only team that they have beaten that have a record above 500 is the new england patriots and i well, i think the saints the saints won yesterday so they're above 500 now did the saints win yesterday yeah they did the Saints won yesterday, so, so the Dolphins have beaten two teams that are over 500. but one of them was starting the third-string quarterback, and their half their team was on the COVID. Fourth-string. Fourth-string quarterback, right? So, you know, listen, I, I, at the end of the day, it is what it is. The Dolphins are a mediocre team, and they did what mediocre teams do. They beat other mediocre teams and some bad teams. That's what a mediocre team does. They also lose to some mediocre teams, the Atlanta Falcons. They also occasionally lose to a bad team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so it is what it is. We're at where we're at. And we have one game left. And I think that game, listen, and it's not to say that, that there's nothing to play for. Obviously, you know, at the end of the day, you'd certainly be you'd certainly like to be playing for a playoff spot, but You know, to be able to play for a winning record would be is a pretty good thing. I don't think the Dolphins have had back to back winning records since the early 2000s. I think probably what 2002, 2003. I think was the last time the Dolphins had back to back winning seasons. So that's something. I mean, (laughs) that being said, they still took a uh, took a step backwards this year. What? Oh, are you, you're celebrating?
1: <laughs> what an exciting thing to play for. I know. I'm telling now, you. This I'm is telling. a disappointment of a season, no matter what. Oh, hundred
0: percent.
1: Yeah, no matter what happens. Look, the the fact is they came into this season for the first time in years with real expectations, and the expectation was simple you make the playoffs. That's right. And they took a step back. Where you know, what regardless like you get a seventeenth game this season, whatever. Uh <laughs> last year this team went ten and six. Through 16 games this year this team went 8 and 8 and they're missing the playoffs. Like the yep. team took a step backwards in a year that everybody wanted to see them take a major step forwards. It's a major major disappointment. It's not a yeah. minor disappointment. It is a significant disappointment. It's the kind of disappointment that frankly ha- has Brian Flores on the hot seat. I know he's not getting fired. I know Chris Greer is probably not getting fired as well. But the fact is, is that both of those guys are going in the next season on the hot seat. And the reason is because this season was an abject failure.
0: Which means we are once again, this is unbelievable and we haven't talked about this, but again, it's a very same old Dolphins thing. We're once again at the point where Dolphins head coach and GM has to go all in and has to spend a lot of money and has to put a bunch of big bloated contracts together in order to make sure that the team can actually compete. Just so, well, the way the story goes, typically is that the team ends up disappointing that season anyway. What I'll I'm say not saying about that's that. going to happen. But it, it, listen, if you if you find yourself sitting here going, "Gosh, this whole situation feels familiar," for good reason.
1: Yeah, and and it is something that we've seen a lot. The the difference I would say here, um, is that no matter who the dolphin, like even if the dolphins were to fire Chris Greer tomorrow, um, and fire Brian Flores, not gonna. The happen. fact is, which is not gonna happen. But even if they were to do that, the way this team is structured and the way they are set up cap wise, they're gonna go all in anyway they're yes. going to spend a lot of i mean they're not going to leave 80 million dollars a cap on the on the table uh they're going to spend a bunch of money the team was set up to you know in a way of that a lot of teams are built these days the way the rams were built was Look, you, you get a rookie quarterback. You feel like he's good enough and you spend a bunch of money while to try to win while he's on the rookie contract. The way the Seattle Seahawks were built when they won their title, the way the Kansas City Chiefs were built when they won their title. Uh, you, you get a rookie quarterback. He's on the rookie deal. And that's when you can afford to spend a bunch of money on the other pieces before you have to pay your quarterback. The problem is. That Tua is not Patrick Mahomes and Tua is not Russell Wilson. And I mean, he, he could be, he could be Jared Goff. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of the hope. If you're, if your hope is that it, it, it that the Dolphins don't go out and get a Watson or Rogers or, or Russell Wilson and that they go in and they give Tua another year, which if they don't get those three guys, honestly would be what I would do. Then the answer would be then you build the perfect team around him and you see just how far you can take this thing.
0: Right. And I know that there are people that are going to advocate that that is absolutely what they should do anyway. But, and you know, because you you hear it all the time, you see it on social media, you see these people that are like, oh, you're reacting, oh, they lost this game and blah, 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 blah. So what, oh, you want to blow it all up? You want to blow it all up and go through the same thing again that we've always gone through? And to that, I would say, do you, again, comes back to that same question. Do you trust the people who are in charge to take this team? Look at what what this team is right now and ask yourself if you think by just fixing running back, wide receiver, offensive line, linebackers, we're not even going to, won't even say quarterback, won't even say quarterback. Ask yourself, do you feel like with, by just addressing those things, that this team is a contender for the Super Bowl next season? Because that is what, that is what we're talking about, is like what this team needs to be. When, when Steve Ross changed the, this regime, he said, we're going to do this the right way, we're going to bring these guys in, and we're going to bring in people that are committed to being a long-term, consistent winner. We're not there yet. And quite frankly, we're not even close. I mean, you go out there, you look, at, you look at what the Cincinnati Bengals and Kansas City Chiefs did on Sunday. And sure, you go, oh, God, those defenses gave up a lot of points. But look at what those offenses did. And realize that those are actually good defenses that were getting lit up by good offenses. And you can say, well, uh, you know, the, the Bengals' defense is a little bit overrated. And and maybe you might say the same thing about the Chiefs. But the Chiefs have certainly fixed the problems with their defense that they were dealing with early on in the season. But at any rate, what wins championships in today's NFL are offenses that can score like that. And fixing the offensive line, adding a running back, and bringing in some other receivers— I don't know how you look at what you saw on Sunday from the Dolphins and in the two weeks previous to that. And quite frankly, over the course of this entire season, because we've talked, started off talking about the body of work, right? The full season. I don't know how you look at everything that you've seen this season from the Dolphins offense and say that just adding receivers and offensive line and a running back turns this team into an explosive Super Bowl contending offense next season. I just don't see how that happens.
1: It won't be. It, it, it won't be, this will never be an explosive elite offense with Tua, but the fact is is that if you put enough pieces there and you, you build a, an offense that can run the ball against anybody and then has weapons on the outside where it can make the game very easy for Tua and can play to Tua's strengths, there's enough on the defensive side of the ball that the team could be very good. And it could be a Super Bowl contending team, but that's kind of where Tua is right now, much in the same way that Ryan Tannehill is. Tannehill is not winning anything unless he has a great team around him. Tua is not winning anything unless he has a great team around him. That is the vast majority of NFL starting quarterbacks, is that if they have a great team around them, they may be good enough to win. The fact is, what we want is we want that quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with just a pretty good team around him, because the quarterback is that damn good and that important. Two is not that guy, and no. there's very few of those guys out there.
0: And as the you Dolphins said, the Dolphins may
1: have an opportunity to get one of those three guys
0: this off season. As you said, it's really about great quarterbacks. Are what win you Super Bowls now in today's NFL. And with the exception of the Philadelphia Eagles in, in the 2017 season winning that Super Bowl, look at all of the recent Super Bowl winners. They're all teams led by elite game changing quarterbacks Tom Brady, Pat, going backwards, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady again, Nick Foles, Tom Brady again. Uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady again, Russell Wilson. You got Baltimore in 2013. I can't remember who their quarter, but who Flacco. was their quarter? Joe Flacco, right. So there's an exception. Uh, Eli Manning in 2012, that's an exception. But again, we're talking about nine years, eight, nine years ago, right? Well,
1: that's what it seems like is once every three or four years, there's a sort of an exception to the rule. You can keep going back. Aaron Rodgers. But those teams don't repeat. Right. <laughs> they they get there you know once every three or four years. Um, it's difficult it. to do. You have to have a great
0: team. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's you go back. So okay, you got uh Eli in in the 2011 season, and then you've got uh, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, and people uh, thinking about. You know, twenty twenty one Ben Roethlisberger, forgetting about what Ben Roethlisberger was at the at the peak of his career. Uh, Eli again, Peyton Manning again, Ben Roethlisberger again, uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I mean, we're you know, now we're going back almost twenty years. So I mean, it takes most of the time in the NFL. You need that game changing elite quarterback, and if you don't, you have to have a great team, a perfect team with, and then have everything go right, right? Winning a Super Bowl is not just about having a great team. It's also about getting pretty lucky. I mean, look no further than last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were really lucky when it came to injury luck they were not terribly snake bit they were able to have most of their team come together and they got really lucky in the you know in the Super Bowl because the the Chiefs had a banged up offensive line you know their the Chiefs offensive line fell apart in the playoffs and paid for it in the Super Bowl right so it takes luck is part of the equation and and I think it's a pretty good thing to look at when you talk about the Dolphins this season, because we talked about how the Dolphins, how they managed to score points this year was they needed to do these big, long 15, 16 play drives where they're just chipping away, chipping away. And how difficult that is to do consistently because so many things have to go right, right? You can't have a holding penalty on first or second down that kills the drive. You've got to do it. You've got to do everything exactly right the whole time. And so it's not to say that you can't win a Super Bowl with a game manager quarterback. But it's significantly more difficult. And when you draft the quarterback number five overall, you don't draft them to be a game manager quarterback. And, you know, the other thing to think about is next year is year three of Tua Tungabailoa. And then after that, you're starting to get close to it's almost time to pay this guy. And, you know, how much longer do you want out the string? Again, comes back to We're getting a little repetitive now, but it comes back to I don't think these coaches are going to be resting on their laurels with this guy. I just don't think that's going to happen. But we've uh, we've pretty much talked it out here. So that is the end of this episode of the same old Dolphins show. We will be back with a preview show later this week to preview the season finale for the 2021 Miami Dolphins uh, as they take on the New England Patriots in the beautiful throwback jerseys at home. It's a shame the game won't mean anything for the Dolphins, but they can at least, you know, hopefully make the Patriots the seventh seed in the AFC and, you know, force them to go to Kansas City uh, in the first round of the playoffs because we can't even knock them out of the playoffs because they clinched a playoff berth because the Dolphins lost on Sunday. But at any rate, we'll be back to preview that show. And then we will be back with our season wrap-up show after that. And then throughout the off-season, we'll be back, uh, you know, when we can be. If there's breaking news, we'll be back to talk about it. And I'm sure we'll be popping up on other Dolphins Talk podcasts. So make sure you're following at Dolphins Talk. Make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. Make sure you're following us at Amplified to Rock, at Armor in the Brain, and at same old Dolphins, visit BetUS.com. Use the promo code Talk for a 125% sign-up bonus. Visit Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. And, you know, listen, at the end of the day, it's all about this right here. This Miami Dolphins logo right there. Whether it's this logo, whether it's the original throwback logo, whether it's the current pickle flying through an onion ring logo that they have, whatever the case is, we love the Dolphins, good or bad, in sickness and in health. Whatever the case may be is we're going to love the Dolphins, even if, as they are right now, they are the same old Dolphins. So, everybody, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody.
2: Go Dolphins! Fire my Fire! the dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And hey, when you say Miami, you're talking to us, 'cause we're. The-